0: Samantha Louise is a leadership cultivator guiding girls and young women to become natural-born leaders. She is an author, a Minnesota Teacher of the Year, and holds a master's degree in educational leadership. Her approach to leadership and learning offers hands-on experiences to develop selfhood for self-leadership, sisterhood for healthy relationships, and leaderhood to inspire change in the world around us. Every workshop, retreat, and lesson offered by Samantha incorporates whole person well-being, cultural mind-body science, and interfaith spiritual practices. Samantha has been featured on popular podcasts such as She's Invincible, Influential Women, and the Rhonda Grant Show to discuss demasculinizing women, healing through vulnerable justice, and new perspectives on leadership. From a farm in rural America, Samantha is a small-town girl with a worldwide vision to transform leadership development and personal empowerment for the next generation of female leaders from every corner of the globe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Today, I am joined by Samantha Louise, and she has such a very interesting background and an exciting piece of news that I just learned before we went on that we're going to share later. Uh, but for now, I'm going to let Samantha Louise take it away and give a little background on how you got into, I would really call this like a mental health um, kind of show that we're about to do here. Uh, so a little bit about your background, like what attracted to you that and what was your personal journey that kind of led you to where you are at this point. Yes, absolutely. And good morning.
1: (laughs) I'm excited to be here also. (laughs) Um, So my backstory, just a little bit, um, is that I grew up on a, a farm in Minnesota. So I'm from like a small town country girl, right? But I had parents that gave me opportunities to travel and explore who I was um, starting in middle school and high school, especially without them being around all the time. And I, I started to see patterns when I would meet new people, especially with girls that were around my age. Um, like a lot of competition between us. And I could never quite figure out why girls had to be so mean to each other. And why we always had to be fighting for who looked better and who had the better boyfriend and just all kinds of these status quo competition things, right? So I got into real life and in this hyper achievement mentality that I was in and perfection kind of um, mindset that I had, always having to be so precise and focused on achievement and and being the best that I could be as fast as I could do it, definitely hit a... an enormous phase of burnout, which led me into self-discovery at a level that I had never experienced before. Um, So here I am (laughs) helping (laughs) other women and girls learn how to rewrite the rules that govern the way that they behave, the way that they think and perceive the world and the way that they emote and how all of those different stories eventually impact you all the way down to a cellular level and looking
0: at that comprehensive output. (laughs) This is going to resonate with so many women out there. And if you're a man in the audience, don't go away because you're about to get some insight into (laughs) what goes on in our woman brain. (laughs) That's what what my husband always says. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of the things that you said, I just almost feel... That it's universal because when Mm -hmm. i talk to some other ladies about this stuff first of all my friends that i feel very blessed to have now because i feel like i've found a very small group (laughs) that is not like that that are very supportive and very genuine um but not everybody has that in their lives and i think um sorry i'm just having a technical thing here um i'll cut that little part out um (laughs) not everybody has someone in their lives that is fully supportive and not competitive. And it's truly happy for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we go into sort of what you learned on that self-discovery and how you now help women with that, you mentioned part of your, um, thing when you were younger was perfection. And I have a suspicion that it might be in relation to one of the things that I read in your bio, which is an Olympic level, (laughs) powerlifting or weightlifting. Can you just give a little bit of background on that about cuz a lot of people on here listening are really into health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And so it'll just be kind of I think add some color and some interest but also relating to your kind of desire for perfection.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I uh when I was younger never ever ever thought I would be an athlete of any kind. Like when I was a kid I was tall and strong like grew up on a farm, right? But I was also big mm-hmm. and and Thick, So I never thought that I could be an athlete as a girl because I didn't think that my body was right for that. But I got into sports and um, in seventh and eighth grade, like totally transformed how my body moved and how I felt about myself. And um, when I when I was in high school, I took a winter off from playing basketball And I decided to, to try a couple of new things. So I had been training in the weight room since I was in eighth grade with, um, different coaches and mostly with guys, right? So another phase of trying to compete with people who aren't even like me, this middle school girl training (laughs) with high school, high boy, (laughs) high school athletes. And so this one winter, um, I decided to try yoga and competitive weightlifting (laughs) right so I figured out exactly I was doing it I was doing it three mornings a week at school and on the weekend at a different kind of garage gym with some really cool people Um, so I wanted to get into it and and I found that I loved it I only did one competition with Olympic weightlifting uh, but was incredibly successful at the state meet and from there I started to participate in competitive powerlifting so Olympic weightlifting is snatch and clean and jerk powerlifting Mm -hmm. is squat bench press and deadlift. And, um, when I started competing in powerlifting, I set a national record (laughs) in, in the squat specifically at one of my first competitions. And, um, I had always, always loved weightlifting, uh, because of the strategy, right. The very individual focus on how my body is moving Um, to create that maximal functionality, maximum output. Um, But it was, it was, um, I had really safe training, really good coaches. But yes, that was another one of those explorations in my self-development that was so exclusively focused on the physical state of my well-being um, that it, it, uh, it also started to take a little bit of a toll on me. And shortly after that point in my life, I totally gave up weightlifting altogether and found how yoga could be a new form of strength training for me. Just using my body. Taking out the perfectionism. And... Taking out all of that and just letting it be a flow and an exploration of of who I am and and how my body shows up in the world to be a better person as well as my my inner self, right? Or my
0: higher self. It's amazing to me. So I've, I i do not think you knew this before we started talking today, but I have practiced yoga for over 25 years now. And I've been an instructor for 11 years mm-hmm. and I kind of came to it similar similarly because I had been running for 17 years and my knees decided that that was enough. And the yeah. whole running thing, probably a lot related to perfectionism and some of the things that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's amazing how it, it transforms you in a way that you can't really describe very well until people just experience it and coming from like a very hardcore like running and weightlifting and all that stuff that we did it's pretty amazing how number one, it can still give you an amazing way to maintain your fitness, depending on what type you do. Um, yes. <laughs> but it also does transform your mind. It's like, mm. it just works in this amazing way. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Cause I think um, I'm always a big proponent of getting people to at least try it. You know? Me too.
1: Yeah. And trying it in a safe way. I, I meet so many, I mean, men and women both have the stereotypical like yoga looks a certain way and you can only do it if you have certain clothes and a certain cute yoga mat, right? So again, to have a safe space where that's not at all what it's about, it's very, very, it can be
0: life-changing for people. Absolutely agree. And if people are intimidated by that scene that you just described, I would say always, first of all, always listen to your body and you, there, there are a lot of very inexperienced teachers out there and there are a lot of teachers that will push you in a way, but I think mm-hmm. to avoid that intimidation factor that you just mentioned, a good place to start is find a local Y or a senior center or somewhere that's not a yoga studio. Like I'm using the air quotes, that it's not a yes. yoga studio, but find some place with a good teacher that offers it. And literally you go into those kind of places and it's, it's so much more inviting in a way. I'm not saying that studios are not inviting. I mean, some of my yoga friends are like probably- out if they listen to
1: this but You have to be ready for that though, right? It's a different element that you have to want.
0: If you've been around my content for a while, you know that one of my favorite things is making and eating gourmet food and pairing it with wine. All of the wines from the Loire Valley in France. Dry Farm wines are free from excess sulfites and mold that can cause adverse reactions and hangovers. With no added sugar, each wine is tested to be under one gram of sugar in the entire bottle. Yep, you just heard that right. There's less than one carb in the whole bottle of wine. They're also slightly lower alcohol, which means you can enjoy a delicious wine pairing at dinner any given night and not end up with a hangover. You can receive an extra bottle for just a penny with your first order by visiting Dry dryfarmwines.com slash grow I'd love to hear what your favorite wine is after you try it. And be sure to tag me on social with pictures of your wine and delicious dinners. Again, that bottle of wine for a penny is at dryfarmwines.com slash grow It is. And it's just, it, it's, I think a, a nice introduction to it without being so intimidating because you literally, literally just walk in Come as you are, wearing what you want, they're usually a lot less intense, so it's just a way for people to experience it without getting mm-hmm. too wound up in all that stuff that you describe yes. <laughs> um anyway, to move on from that, now that we discussed your background, and I can totally see like how uh, this aspect of wanting to work with women and young girls on well-being kind of came into being because of your path. but can you describe was there any kind of light bulb moment or any kind of um, like precipitating event that it's just struck you that day and you're like, Oh, this is my calling. This is what I need to do. Or was it more of one of those things where it's a progression? You thought about it for a long time. How did that just, how did that evolve for you? It was
1: definitely an evolution, but I, I was a, a teacher at the beginning of my adulthood mm-hmm. And I had a student, um, she wasn't in my class, but I had a student who was working with, well, she was in the class with one of my male colleagues. And she would show up to class to FIEd. I was a FIEd teacher and health teacher. Okay. So she'd show up and never participate in anything. And the other teacher would always get irritated and frustrated with her. And I would get. I would get confused because I never had that issue with boys or girls in my classes, people not participating, uh, because I, I was taught a different way to teach. So anyhow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, the next year I requested from one of our counselors that this girl be put in my class, um, and for, for an entire school year, she never missed a single class. Um, and I learned a lot about her inner world and her mental health. Through that Mm. year, um, she would come into my office before class some days and tell me about what was happening inside of her head, things she saw, Mm. things she heard. So it was like very extreme mental health and mental illness that she was trying to deal with as a seventh grade girl. Uh, But she said to me, when I come here, uh, as much as I don't want to do anything, I know that I can tell you what's going on. And you'll make it normal and okay for me to just show up and walk and not have to be doing what everybody else is doing. You make it okay for me to, to know that I'm struggling and I don't want to even be in school today, but I'm staying so that I can come and be in, in this space with you. So it was feedback from girls like that, (laughs) that really validated um, that I had a unique approach. Um, And as much as I didn't, necessarily see it or believe it at the time I started to see the outcomes changing and girls like that at such a pivotal moment in their formation and growth um, make decisions to be different people than who everyone else assumed they were becoming. So instead of being that failure or that weird kid or that whatever nice. they started to express their voice and and own up to being an amazing girl. that is so powerful that phase (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that that, how that wouldn't break anybody's heart and really make you want to make the world a better place for them Mm -hmm. i can totally see how that came about um and did you expect so i think it's such a hard world for teachers right because there's this fine line of um you know, students do for really good teachers like yourself, look up to them and respect them and value their opinion and feel like they can be open. And it's, it's, I think it's fairly rare, Um, but I was lucky (laughs) enough to have a couple of those teachers in my life. And I still think of them now and how much that impacted. So, so when you had that experience, I'm sure you started thinking about, hmm, mentioned your male colleague. You're like, if only he could make this kind of environment for women. And it's, you know, it's different. Men relate to women differently. They think of sports differently. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that's difficult, but were you able to somehow start to have an impact on that? Or, or or is that how you came to do the work you do now? You're like, I just need to do this in a bigger way. Yeah. that That's actually why I left education. I got to
1: a point where I was being asked to lead change projects. So advocating for quality physical education instead of military mm-hmm. sports style competition stuff and then eventually taking like mindfulness-based leadership principles and um, mindful movement and taking it across an entire school district to see how learning could change for students and how teaching could change for educators. Uh, but I, I got to a point where I was realizing the people who were stopping change, who were the, the blockades, they didn't want change. So as much as these projects would have cool names and uh, <laughs> right, bring light to, to the organization, it would stop and mm. get sabotaged at some point. So yes and no, because there were some teachers who absolutely loved it and embraced it wholeheartedly, and it transformed the way that their classrooms were run and, and the way that their students learned. But for the most part, I kept experiencing so many blocks within the system that I left and I decided I would do this work from an external standpoint and not have to work through the bureaucracy and, and the lack of understanding and sometimes just the lack of caring. I, that was something that I didn't understand. If we're here to support children and families, why aren't we all doing that?
0: That is an excellent question, and it's mm-hmm. I think a frustration for many teachers. I have a couple of friends that are that are teachers, and uh, one of them's been able to find a position where they're much more progressive, and I think that they do try to actually own these kind of programs, but it, it's just one yeah. school. It's not a whole yes. district. it's not um it's not like a wide sweeping change is happening. And you know there's so many things that you could say about that in education, right? Like the food that they give them and the soda machines in the hall and <laughs> I mean, it's, it's exactly. no wonder that they that their little brains just can't yeah you know they they're, they're going to struggle they have mm-hmm. if they have a situation like you know that other class she was in and her mental health's mm-hmm. not good and then she's coming to school and she's being fed garbage food and then exactly. it's just a whole hot mess <laughs> yeah exactly and rushed in between classes and bullied in between classes and yeah everything yes. The bullying, I don't know. It's it's a sad statement on our society. But anyway, we could go on about that because that is a whole huge topic. <laughs> um, but what I think is pretty amazing. So before we get to how you're kind of, um, I think, going to impact that in the world. But first, let's go to uh, so what you did after that. How you started working with women and girls. You said you wanted to do that outside of the school system. So what did that look like uh, initially for you? Mm-hmm. And like how has that been progressing over time? Because I think that will lead into your announcement. (laughs) Yeah. So it was definitely like a stepping stone kind of evolution that I
1: experienced because I left education and I went into the public health sector. Um, and, and I was hired actually as the director of a, it was like a rural healthcare innovation nonprofit. (laughs) And we were looking at, yeah, we were looking at population health, which I had never heard of, but as I learned more about it, I realized that's exactly what I was doing as a teacher. Right, you look at the trends of a certain segment of your region or your community, um, and then you try to set up programs or education or policy change that addresses the root of those health trends. So I was working specifically in uh, southwestern Minnesota, and we were just we were looking at things like uh, why do we have such a high increase of diabetes? Why do we have higher than usual obesity rates? And simple things like you mentioned, I mean, simple, but not so simple. Like, even though we're in farm country, why don't we have good quality food at any point in our communities? Unless you're from a a large town, you don't have anything. You have a gas station, right? Um, Or simple things like walking paths or being safe outside in your community. So I started learning about systems change at a a really different angle. Um, and from public health, I moved into a hospital director role where I was looking wow. at the same stuff, but from a hospital setting. And that was really, really regulated and, and mandated and difficult to move the needle there. Um, but again, the theme with all of those was finding leaders who would eventually block the progress. Mm-hmm. And um, meeting women very few women in leadership roles who were trying to look at how well-being could be paired with productivity and change inside of these systems, um, and a lot of times because they themselves were starting to have these mental health breakdowns or chronic mm-hmm. health issues that were starting to surface, um, and they couldn't name what it, what was going on, but they started to identify that because culture of the organization or the community was toxic they right. themselves were getting sick because of it so again i left <laughs> and i said i i guess people around here don't want what i have to offer so i wanted to try doing stuff internationally which brings us to <laughs> where i am today is helping <laughs> girls who want to become leaders of change but also women who identify as change agents
0: and so, in doing that work, I mean, I think what the theme of your stories are in that background is it's kind of like banging your head against the wall at some point. If you go into an organization <laughs> and you're yes. trying to make changes and nobody is supporting it, you're you're going to leave, and that's very sad because the things that you're talking about doing are so amazing and could bring so much better health to people—not just you know um, physical health, well-being, but mental health, well-being, spiritual. I mean, it all ties together so much and and you know i've been in that lady that you were just talking about the last person you worked with the hospital i've been in that crushing role before and it's like i just can't do it anymore because the um the architecture of the organization and the stress and the you know lack of lack of willingness to change so Mm -hmm. is there anything that you've identified in doing the work that you're doing now i mean that had to be a huge frustration is are there ways or are there methods or things that you can do to not force that change, but el- illuminate a path so that existing leaders that are stuck can kind of move into a new paradigm? And I don't know, that's a really big question and a very hard one, but I'm just wondering what you've seen so far that can like actually start to move the needle. Like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. We'd also love it if you could post a review on iTunes. It helps us so much by allowing others to more easily find us. The Heal Nourish Grow podcast wouldn't be possible without listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, it's it's really a fascinating question because I think we're trained to assume that like finances and metrics and things like that will prove that change needs to happen. And the single most important skill that I've been developing that I see make change happen faster than anything else is this age-old skill of storytelling. Nice. Right? <laughs> bringing, it, bringing it home to the heart where somebody can can relate to their neighbor down the street Right? they they can step into somebody else's story and feel what it's like to live that way. Um, but ultimately, it has to come down to what we whether or not we want the change, right? So if we think mm-hmm. the status quo is good enough and we'll get by another year, then gosh darn it, we're not gonna budge at all. <laughs> that's right. right right sadly, that's what it is. like we made it by another year. I guess that's success, but. Um, I think the storytelling piece is so simple and very, very underestimated in the impact that it can have on supporting
0: change. No, I think that's exactly right. And I can't wait to see the storytelling around uh, your next project that you mentioned before we got on the phone. And I got really excited about this because I don't know people that can't feel that in their heart. I really don't know what's wrong with them (laughs) because. (laughs) The way that you described it, I mean, who would want any kids, male, female, any of them to go around feeling like that. And then especially what kids have had to experience over the last two years of what's been going on in the world. I mean, they they need more support than ever. So maybe now you can share a little bit about your next project, uh, Mm -hmm. how people can find out about it. When is the full launch? How can they help you? All that good stuff. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I've I've wanted to do some kind of project like this for a long, long time um, and recently just had enough clarity about what the mission and vision is. So a few weeks ago, I submitted paperwork to formally launch a nonprofit called Brave Girl International. And the whole concept is to support girls in rewriting those inner rules that... <laughs> dictate and push them to be people who maybe they aren't right to think that they need to look a certain way behave a certain way become a certain woman with a certain family and just everything it's like their whole life is predetermined and they're eight or nine years old without any chance to do it themselves so I'm hoping to connect girls from around the world So that they can start building a healthy sisterhood where they do self-discovery, self-leadership development uh, that can catalyze them into whatever they want to be as a change agent when they grow up.
0: You know how I like to talk about being just 1% better every day? Well, ButcherBox believes in better. For them, better means caring about animals and the planet, treating the planet with respect, and it means improving the lives of animals and the livelihoods of farmers. Their beef is grass-fed and grass-finished, chicken is free-range, and organic turkey is free-range, pork is humanely raised, and salmon and scallops are wild-caught. I've been using ButcherBox for a couple of years now, and it was a godsend having such high quality meat delivered to my door during the pandemic. If you're interested in saving money and eating healthier, this is the perfect service for you. Even if you can get back to the grocery store now, the quality and health of ButcherBox meat is far superior to what's in the market. Plus, if you're a bacon lover, I have really good news. You can always get a great deal on your subscription by using my link, but starting June 12th until October 14th, new members can get free bacon for life. That's right. Every box will include a pack of uncured, unbelievably delicious bacon added to every box for the life of your membership check my show notes for the link or go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash H-N-G ButcherBox.
1: Whether that's a leader for their family, a leader for a community, or a leader for a business in some way. Um, so I'm just looking right now for people to join my, my monthly group called Brave Girl Circle. <laughs> it's evolved into daughters And mothers. And I've had some dads also (laughs) ask if they can join recently. Nice. So, yeah, that's where we're starting is just building the community and um, sharing our stories, right? Learning what it's like to realize that you're no longer part of your mom or dad. um, And how do you still communicate with them? And for parents who are afraid that their children are pulling away, finding themselves but what if they don't find themselves in a healthy way or what if they never mm. find themselves how, would I, how do I support so it's all these mm. existential questions that don't have right or wrong answers because they are about developing and prioritizing values and and kind of like we started off talking about yoga it's about finding that path where you can be open expressive in flow in that flow state yeah um, and and Create your own life, create your own story that you love.
0: So uh, first of all, I just love this so much, but I just wanted to maybe share with people. I think this will be obvious, especially to a lot of women and women that have done inner work, but could you maybe name specifically some of those, I don't know if this is the exact term that you use, but like unwritten rules for Mm -hmm. women um, that revolve around. Perfection, looks, um, family, that you named several of them, but can you give some examples for people that are a little bit more concrete just so they can conceptualize it a little better?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think immediately about um, last month, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll use the brave girls that met last month <laughs> that were talking about who they want to be someday. So we were ta- having a discussion about you are 9, 10, 11 year- years old right now who do you, or what, what do you want to be like, or who do you want to be when you're in high school? And then how about when you're 30? And they were all like, oh my gosh, 30? That's so far away. (laughs) I can't imagine. Uh, But they started to say things like, well, I, I want to have a certain car because then I can have a certain kind of family Mm. or I'm going to go to a certain college so that I can have a certain job make this much money and have this kind of a house. Mm -hmm. And then one of them said, why would you want that? I want this. And it's a totally different thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. So they all have these visions for life and all of a sudden they started to question, but why would you want to go to college in this location? Why would you want to be a doctor instead of a teacher? Why would you want to be an entrepreneur like your mom instead of, name some other profession, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's really, really about like the status quo in your culture, in your family, in your community about um, f- how, like I said before, how are you supposed to look? How long should your hair be? What kind of jeans should you wear? And it seems so specific and ridiculous, but it's, it's so real. And we don't often stop to think like these jeans don't fit me well. I don't feel good in them. I'm not breathing, (laughs) but I'm going to wear them on a date and feel horrible and self-conscious the whole time. (laughs) Right. Instead of why don't I just put my leggings on and do something else? I don't want to go on a date. Right. It's, it's so many, so many
0: rules all the time. It can be quite ridiculous. And, you know, I often share this with my husband, how much I think, and I'll be interested to get your perspective on this, especially since you're talking to kids this age. But I think the focus, especially, you know, you mentioned when they talk about who they want to be, it's all about their house and their job and the money that they Mm -hmm. want to make. And I feel like social media has done a real disservice to kids in this way, because I mean, back when I was in high school. So I'll just, I graduated in 91. So it's been a while. <laughs> but um back then, <laughs> you know, we knew that there was fashion or we knew that were people that had nicer clothes or something, but we barely even had the internet. I mean, I never had a computer <laughs> or a phone or anything when I was growing up. And so I didn't really know any better. Like I wouldn't know if I had something fancy or not fancy. Well, now every second of every day, they're pretty much exposed to that. And all these celebrity accounts where they don't realize this person has half a billion dollars. Okay. They can buy $10,000 shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever, which is also ridiculous. But I just love to hear your commentary on the impact, like what you've experienced in these groups so far, how big a role that social media has and you know, any advice to parents in, in working with their kids on that.
1: Yeah, well, first, I think it's always interesting going to the conversation about the role that men play in all of this, um, because I've been through some amazing transformation with my, my own husband about what he thinks marriage is. What does he think it means to be a man? Mm. The same things I'm going through. What does it mean to be a woman? Who do I want to be someday when I grow up? (laughs) Um, and I'm still working on that. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell him stories about what it's like to be put down as a woman in leadership or be questioned in a boardroom. Um, mm. And the, the stories in my mind coming from childhood that make me feel like I can't assert myself or I shouldn't stand up for myself. And he'll say things like, I don't have a lot of experience being a girl or a woman, but that just seems <laughs> crazy to me. <laughs> That's because it is crazy. But guess what? That's our reality. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: thinking about about craziness, like a lack of coherence or inconsistency, I think that's the thing that sets girls and women up for a lack of success and a, a life that isn't theirs because inside of us, we all know what we want. We all know who we want to be. We also know what we don't want, but when we're pushed on to always be compromising our boundaries and, and living life based on somebody else's expectations, I think it comes down to simple conversations and those have the most, again, conversations and stories. They have the most powerful impact on opening up for opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have seen.
0: Right. So whether have you it's found that there's, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's okay. Keep um, going. I was just going to say, have you found that that there is any way for parents to kind of approach these topics with kids in a non-threatening way? Have you figured out any tips or specific phrases that people can use to make it a less threatening and an easier conversation to have with an adult?
1: Yes, it's I've I've learned a like a specific methodology which makes it sound really intimidating but um a, I I learned how to become a facilitator a few years ago. Right, so a lot of times we think about having conversations and teaching and we want to respond to people and tell them what we think or tell them how they should be or how they shouldn't be with our own kind of value and and um judgment on it. So when I learned how to be a facilitator, some of our first lessons were being neutral, right? So whatever somebody says to you, your job is immediately to breathe and not say anything. Just listen to them, not respond. And then from that point, ask an open-ended question, which is all like, that's what being a good teacher is about, right? So instead of asking, but don't you think blah, blah, blah. But don't you think you should Mm. be eating this for dinner? Or don't you think you should be not friends with so-and-so? So Um, so taking out the emotional charge and the value-based charge
0: Mm.
1: and learning how to open, how to ask open-ended conversations, which is not as easy as it sounds. (laughs) uh, But that's what I find when, when parents or partners are willing to start doing those things together, practicing a focused conversation, right? What's the outcome? What do we want to discuss here? And how do we stay on task? Mm. And instead of me imposing my belief system on you, I just want to learn how you're processing. I want to discover with you. I'm going to learn as much as you're going to learn.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, Learn to discover how you're processing. And I, and I think that most people that is their goal, but they just approach it in some <laughs> of the ways that you just described that don't have the greatest outcome because yeah. people start to feel attacked or not understood or any n- number of other feelings that aren't, mm-hmm. that aren't conveying that you're just trying to understand them better and know like how you can support them. Cause that's really, especially in close relationships, that's usually the end goal, but Uh, Mm -hmm. When the conversation goes wrong, like you just described, it can be pretty, pretty defensive and pretty argumentative at some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's when the, the, the division starts to happen, the withdrawing Mm -hmm. and the suppression also. We learn, we learn from those implicit rules. It's not, it's not always the things that are said outwardly to us, but looking at someone's eye movement or how their shoulders are moving, how their Breathing changes. Kids pick up on the smallest things that tell them they should or shouldn't be a certain way.
0: Mm. So, and I think that's a good lesson too. If you're, um, I'm sure this will come up at some point in your organization, but how men and there's, I'm not just making this up. There's a lot of psychological studies on this, but how men aren't as good as picking picking up on body cues as women are. And so the ways that (laughs) women need to communicate with men sometimes can be slightly different than than the other way around. And it's not, you know, neither one's good or bad. It's just their brains work slightly differently. And so learning how to communicate, I mean, we want to take sex out of everything is what it seems like nowadays. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to communicate with a person, but that specific person might have a different way that they process things. (laughs) So it's good to have like a variety of skills to Mm -hmm. be able to communicate with people. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> so is the, um, website launched for this? Can you share number one, how people can find you and get in touch if they want to be involved in the organization or if they want to contribute or, or things like that website, social media, what are the best ways to get in touch?
1: Mm-hmm. My website is Samanthalouise.co. And that's the same as my social media handles. So my website's the best place to start. Um, And you can sign up for brave girl circle or just reach out. I love this. Just connect (laughs) and have a conversation and see what resonates and where to go from there. So I plan on launching like a website and more formal programming in mid-summer. But for right now, it's just community building and relationship building
0: that's awesome and like you did just just, did just start it so i mean it's an awesome opportunity for people that love this idea and that want to contribute whether it's monetarily or with Mm -hmm. you know a new organization needs all kinds of support right and you're i'm sure you're learning that here as you go along (laughs) yes Well, uh, Samantha Willis, I want to respect your time today, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, and particularly for sharing this concept with the world, because just hearing you speak today, I just have every confidence that this mm. is going to seriously impact uh, lots of young women internationally, and I just think that that is so amazing. So thank you so much for doing this show, and thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing in the world.
1: Yes. Thank you for the opportunity to explore with your community. I
0: appreciate it. Yes. Nice to meet you. (laughs) This has been the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Content on the Heal Nourish Grow podcast does not constitute medical advice. Content contained in the Heal Nourish Grow podcast is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment. Neither the company, nor its owner, Heal Nourish Grow LLC, nor any of the company's employees, agents, or guest speakers provide medical advice. The content provided on Heal Nourish Grow podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your medical provider with any questions about what health practices are right for you.